0: It is a good day. Welcome to Beecher Island Church. It is good that we get to gather up and uh, be right here uh, together. And what a blessing that is that we we come right here and gather in His name to glorify Him. And that's what this is about: is gathering for Him, uh, our God. And uh, what a blessing that is. You know, uh, love that you're here today, really do. And. It is truly a blessing to be a part of God's work that's taking place right here at Beecher Island, and it is—it is good. Uh, you know, uh, I, I want you all to know something. I, I really want you to know. this, Okay, Jesus loves you. He loves you more than you can even imagine, and it is good. And so I want you to know this morning that He loves you, and I hope. That you took on my challenge the last two weeks to tell one person two weeks ago and two people this last week that Jesus loves them. And if you didn't, get to work. Uh, get to work. Tell somebody that Jesus loves them. Because He paid the ultimate price. He paid the ultimate price for you and for all the world, all who will confess Him. He was crucified. He was laid in a tomb. He rose from the grave. And He walked this earth to prove that He is the Christ, the Son of God. And He did it for all who will confess Him. All who will confess that He is Jesus, the Lord. And uh, when we do that, we are promised life. Life with Him. And it doesn't get any better than that. It is an awesome God that we serve. And I pray that, again, that is why we're here today. To serve Him. To glorify Him. To praise Him. To sing songs to Him and to dig into His Word and learn more about Him so that we can come closer to Him in our relationship with Him. Because that's what it's about. It's not about church. It's not about religion. It's not about any of that. It's about relationship with Him and knowing that when we confess Him, we have life with Him. He abides in us and we abide in Him when we confess Him. And that is awesome. Again, if you're new with us, welcome to Beecher Island. We're an independent, non denominational Jesus-loving, Bible-preaching church. And we fight like mad to stand in His love and His truth. We fall short and I promise you. But that's what we strive for. We strive to be all about Him and, and, and try to allow His love to shine through us. And when usually, not usually, when you step into Beecher Island, my opinion is that love pours out and I thank you guys for Thank you for doing that. Uh, don't be afraid to give some man hugs, gentlemen, the ladies. They pour them out, but men, give some man hugs. Give some man hugs. If you will open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter five. Nehemiah chapter five is where we're at. You know, as I was thinking through Nehemiah five, as I read through it, I I had to stop and just look back at what Nehemiah has experienced up to this point. What Nehemiah has, has went through and what we know that took place. We know that at the beginning of, of Nehemiah that, that his brothers and some other men came and told Nehemiah about Jerusalem and the state that it was in. I do believe that Nehemiah probably had some forewarning as to what was going on. He knew that. Ezra, we know that there was men sent to build a wall. To rebuild it, but it didn't happen. Didn't happen. And Nehemiah is is told, hey, hey, it's still in destruction. And his heart weeped. His heart weeped for what was taking place in God's city and for God's people. They, they, they told him that the people w- w- were not good. They were struggling. Nehemiah took it to heart and he prayed. He spent months praying. To God for direction. For God, what do you want me to do? God laid it on his heart as to what he was to do. Go rebuild the wall. Go rebuild the wall. Nehemiah spent so much time in prayer that then God gave him the opportunity to talk to the king about it. And on that day, when, when his face was sad, he talked to the king. And the king granted him permission to go to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall, but Nehemiah wasn't just okay with that. So he asked for everything that God had put on his heart to ask for, and the king granted it all of it. And so Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem and, and he's there for three days and he doesn't say a word. I think about that often, because usually, you know, when I'm set with God's work and I, you know, I'm excited, and so I'm telling everybody, look what. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm... Nehemiah didn't do that. He goes and he and he surveys the situation. The third night he, he rides out and surveys the wall. And he comes back and he, and he gives, probably, in my mind, one of the greatest motivational speeches that you could ever hear. And he, and he, and he tells them all what God has done. All, all what God has put on his heart. All the provision that God has given. And they, they get excited. Jew, the Jews, the, the, everybody of Jerusalem gets excited and they, and they say, let's rise. Let's arise and build. And they put their hands to the great work that God had for them of rebuilding the wall. Now, it wasn't too long when they started facing the naysayers. Started facing the, the ones that weren't with them. Sinbalah, Tobiah, Geshem. And they they laughed at him. They mocked him. But Nehemiah didn't care because he knew what God's plan was. He kept his eye on God and, and His plan. And each stepped out in front of their house and went to work. Started building on the wall or the gates or whatever was right in front of them and went to work started building the wall. And as the wall started coming together and half its height was built, man, the pressure came from the adversaries. They they didn't want this, and they they mocked them even more. They laughed. They said, we're going to come and destroy you, and and we're going to take care of this. And even just if a little fox jumps on your little tiny wall, it's just going to break it. I didn't care. He said, God, you've got a plan. God, I want to follow your plan." And so He took and He put men at the weak parts of the wall. And He, and he put them with their families and, and, and He gave them sword and armor and said, hey, right here, protect the wall. Protect God's city. Protect God's people. And He said, if they come to battle, you sound the horn. And we will, we will rally. We'll rally to you. Wherever you are, you sound the horn and we will come. That part moves me so much. I pray that that's who we are as a church. We're not afraid to sound the horn when the enemy comes. And then when you sound that horn, we rally. We rally together in prayer. We rally together in encouragement. We rally together to fight the evil so present in our lives, in our world. Let me get to chapter 5. Chapter 5, if if you're not there already, jump there with me. But let's pray to Him first. Father God, I thank You, I thank You, I thank You for this morning. I thank You for this beautiful church out in the middle of nowhere that You have blessed us with, Lord. We... People drive and come here. It's not a little drive around the corner to go to church, Lord. People are intentional in coming here. And I thank You that that's on their heart. To be intentional, to come right here to praise and worship You, to put You on high, Lord. And I pray that that's what we're doing this morning. We're singing praises to You. Not just, not just words. We're not just going through the motions, but we're, but we're singing praises to You and glorifying You. I pray this morning as we dig into Your Word that our hearts and our minds are prepared for, for Your truth for the intimacy of relationship to grow. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit is overwhelming this morning. That the Holy Spirit comes uh, in such a way. That I can't get in His way. The Holy Spirit in me speaks truth. Your truth. Not not my words. but Yours, Father. And I pray that we all lay down our flesh. And allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. In a way that we have never experienced before. God, I thank You that that's what You do. You tell us that You abide in us when we confess You. And I just thank You and I pray that we let You work in our lives in that. Lord, I pray that as we read Nehemiah chapter 5 this morning that Your words come alive to us and we take it to to heart and we allow it to make us come closer to You. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Chapter 5. And there was a great outcry of the people and their wives against their Jewish brethren. For there were those who said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore, let us get grain, that we may eat and live. There were also some who said, We have mortgaged our lands and vineyards and houses, that we might buy grain because of the famine. There were also those who said, We have borrowed money for the king's taxes on our land and vineyards. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children. And indeed, we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have been brought into slavery. It is not in our power to redeem them. For other men have have our lands and our vineyards. And I became very angry when I heard their outcries and these words. After serious thought, I rebuked the nobles and rulers and said to them, Each of you is exacting usury from his brother. So I called a great assembly against them. And I said to them, According to our ability, we have redeemed our Jewish brethren who were sold to the nations. Now indeed, will you even sell your brother, Or should they be sold to us? Then they were silenced and found nothing to say. Then I said, what you are doing is not good. Should you not walk in the fear of God because of the reproach of the nations our enemies? I also with my brethren and my servants am lending them money and grain. Please let us stop this usury. Restore now to them. Even this day their lands, their vineyards, their olive groves and their houses also a hundredth of the money and the grain, the new wine and the oil that you have charged them. So they said, we will restore it, and we will will require nothing from them. We will do as you say. Then I called the priest and required an oath from them that they would do according to this promise. Then I shook out the fold of my garment and said, so my God, shake out each man from his house. And from His property, who does not perform this promise, even thus may, be, may, be, may He be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen, and praised the Lord. Then the people did according to this promise. Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor, in the land of Judah... From the twentieth year until the thirty-second year of King Artaxerxes, twelve years neither I nor my brethren ate of at the governor's provisions. But the former governors who were before me laid burden on the people and took from them bread and wine besides forty shekels of silver. Yes, even their servants bore rule over the people, but I did not do so because of the fear of God. Indeed, I also continued the work on this wall, and we did not buy any land. All my servants were gathered there for the work. And at my table were one hundred and fifty Jews and rulers, besides those who came to us from the nations around us. Now that which was prepared daily was one ox, and six choice sheep also fowl were prepared for me, and once every ten days an abundance of all kinds of wine. Yet in spite... Of this I did not demand the governor's provision, because the bondage was heavy on the people. Remember me, my God, for good according to all that I have done for this people. Amen, amen. A lot going on in there. A lot that Nehemiah is laying out to us. You know, have you ever been a part of a big project? A part of a, a big project that many, many are a part of. <coughs> and about halfway through, things start getting drugged down a little. Things start maybe slowing down. Maybe things start coming a little bit unwound. That's what was happening with Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the wall. (laughs) The Jews were pointing fingers at each other. They were fighting amongst themselves. The poor were crying out saying, hey, we can't do this anymore. We can't afford this. You see, they were so focused on doing the Lord's work that, that they were just trying to make it work. They couldn't go out to the country anymore and and gather food and do what they needed to to provide for their families. Because they were right there. They were saying, we're we're fighting for the Lord. We're going to do His work. So in turn, they sold what they could sell. They mortgaged their homes. They mortgaged their farms. They they, they sold their children to be slaved just so that they could do the Lord's work. I want you to think about that sacrifice for a minute what these people were doing to make sure that the Lord's work was being done. But the pressure had become too much. On the other side, we have the the Jewish leaders, the rulers, the nobles, taking full advantage of the rebels. Full advantage in every way that they could. They were charging interest, and and the interest uh, is thought by the scholars that it may have been as high as fifty percent. Fifty percent interest on on all of their money, which they couldn't pay. <coughs> they couldn't handle that. It, it was too much. You know, uh, I want you to know though that it was illegal for them to be doing. It. It was completely illegal for them to be charging interest to their own brethren. They could charge interest to the foreigners, to their own brother, they weren't supposed to. It was against the law. And a matter of fact, the law even said if they can't repay what money you have lended them with no interest, consider it a gift. Give to them. But it didn't stop, they wanted to get ahead. Let me get to verse six. And Nehemiah says, "And I became very angry when I heard their outcry and these words." Put yourself in Nehemiah's shoes. He's trying to lead the people to do the Lord's work. He's trying to to lead them to do what God had put on His heart to do, and it was all going pretty well. Yeah, they had the adversaries coming against them. Sambultabakashem and everything. But God was taking care of that. But now from within, there is an enemy. From within, there there is an enemy. Trying to do the Lord's work. Somebody steps in the way. Maybe not intentionally. Maybe, maybe the nobles weren't intentional about trying to, to deplete God's Word. To try to stop it. Because of their actions. Because of their, their doings. The Lord's work as being halted. And Nehemiah becomes very angry about it, which I understand. When you know that God has put something on your heart to, to, to lead and to do, and, you, and you, you get every... Spend time in prayer. Get everybody on board. You start heading in the right direction of what you feel like God has given you and and, and the the way to go when somebody jumps in the middle of it. Make a guy angry. Very angry. But I want you to see what Nehemiah does. You see, verse 7. He says, After serious thought, Look, he didn't just jump out after him. He didn't just run to the nobles and the rulers and say, You blasted idiots. He didn't. He stopped and gave serious thought. It says a, a serious thought. I would bet money that that serious thought was prayer time, was seeking God's guidance, was seeking God's will and what He wanted Him to do with. The nobles and the rulers. See, church, whenever we get angry, let us make sure that we give serious thought to what's making us angry. Serious thought to what's going on in our heart. Let us spend time in prayer before we use any words, before we go and do anything, before we say anything. Let us make sure that we give serious thought. To what's taking place. That's a lesson for me. A big lesson for me. You see, after Nehemiah gave serious thought, it says, I rebuked the nobles and rulers and said to them, Each of you is exacting usury, which is interest, that's what it is, from his brother. So I called the great assembly against them. And I said to them, According to our ability, we have redeemed our Jewish brethren. Who were sold to the nations. Now, indeed, will you even sell your brethren, or should they be sold to us? Then they were silenced and found nothing to say. He spoke the words to them that God wanted him to speak. Nehemiah is saying, Hey, look, we've already been redeemed. Look, we've come out of slavery, and here, what are you doing? What are you doing with our own people here? And then verse 9. He spoke true. What you are doing is not good. What you are doing is not good. That's when he speaks straight to him. He says, "Look, hey, this is not okay. This is not good. This is not what God wants you to be doing." He goes on. Should you not walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the nations, our enemies? I also with my brethren and my servants am lending them money and grain. I'm doing the same thing, but I'm doing it the way God is calling me to do it. Please let us stop this usury. Restore now to them even this day their lands, their vineyards, their olive groves, their houses, also hundreds of the money and the grain, the new wine and the oil that you have charged them. But Nehemiah is telling the truth. Nehemiah is being 100% honest with him. He's not not skirting the edges of it. He's not beating around the bush. He just says it straight. The way it should be. You need to forgive everything. You need to give back what's not yours. You need to let it go. Take that step and give back to them what's not yours. Really, he's just telling them to follow the law. Follow the law and do what it states. Don't charge your own brethren interest. And if they can't pay it back, give a loan. Give a gift. Nehemiah was saying, I'm doing the same thing, guys. I'm taking care of the people. The people are doing the Lord's work and they need help. They need fed. They need the things in which they need. They need to be able to pay the taxes. And so I'm... Giving that to them. Not charging them anything. He's saying have forgiveness and grace on God's people. Churches, are somebody in your life, maybe, maybe several in your life, that you need to have forgiveness and grace on. That you need to forgive them for whatever it is. Maybe they owe you money. Maybe they don't. Maybe they owe you an apology. Maybe they owe you nothing, but you are hanging on to stuff that you don't need to hang on to. Church, maybe it's somebody in this building. Maybe it's somebody that that comes to this building once in a while. Maybe it's somebody in in the greater body of Christ a brother or a sister in Christ that you need to let go of some stuff. Let go of some some unforgiveness because you think it holds power over them. It doesn't. It takes from you. It takes from your relationship with Christ. You see, 2 John 4-6 through says, I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth. Just as we have received commandment to do from the Father. Now I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we have had from the beginning. That we love one another. That we love one another. And this is love. That we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment. Just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. Church, are we walking in it? Walking in the love of Christ and allowing it to pour out of us. Forgiving where forgiveness is needed. Having grace where grace is needed. Because listen. Verse 12, so they said, we will restore We will restore it and we will require nothing from them. Nothing at all from them. We will do as you say. Church, are we ready to do the same thing? If you have a difference with another brother or sister, walk in love and have grace and forgiveness on them. Look, Nehemiah was angry with the people. He he was angry with what, what was going on. trying to make themselves better at the cost of another brother. We should get angry at the same thing. We should absolutely get angry at the same thing. Get angry when it's our own lives. Get angry when it's us being selfish. And We should take serious thought into how we move forward with that. How we fix that. And I hope that that serious thought means prayer, means love, means grace. And that may may mean even yourself. Having love and grace on yourself. You see, Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says this. Brethren, this is Paul talking. Brethren, I, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting yesterday. Forgetting about whoever wronged you this morning or yesterday or a year ago or ten years ago. However long it's been. And reaching forward to what lies ahead. Quit being focused on what's behind you and focus on what's in front of you. And that's what Nehemiah is doing. He's saying, hey, get this right. And let's focus up here. Let's focus on what God has for us. They press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So they said, we will restore. And we will require nothing from them. We will do as you say. Then I called the priests and required an oath from them that they would do according to the promise. Then I shook out the folds of my garment and said, So may God shake out each man from his house and from his property who does not perform this promise. Even thus may He be shaken out and empty. And all the assembly said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Then the people did according to this promise. church are you ready to make this up you, you see Nehemiah wanted to make sure that they weren't just coming and saying what they wanted to say to, to please Nehemiah don't just come to church and, and say something for Sunday morning and then go about your week like you didn't say anything Nehemiah is saying hey look if you're going to come and make this promise I'm going to make you give it up. I'm going to make you stand in your promise. I'm going to make sure that if you're going to say I'm going to forgive, you're going to forgive. And you're not going to hang on to it. You're not going to keep on charging them. You're not going to keep on holding something against them. Church, are you ready to make the oath that we will restore any relationship that needs restoration? And require nothing, nothing from them. What we do is the Lord says. Love. Stand in truth, but love. As a church, are we ready to take that oath? I know some may think, but you don't understand. You, you don't understand what, what's going, what I'm going through. What, what has been done to me? Nehemiah didn't care. Nehemiah didn't care. God didn't care. God said, my will, my way. Nehemiah said, look, I don't care what the, how much money you've given them. I don't care how much they owe you. I don't care what has been done. What I care is is that you're going to give it back to Give the love of Christ to all people. All brothers and sisters in Christ, give them the love that God calls you to give them. Whatever struggle you're going through, lay it down. Lay it down. Put your eyes upon Him and make this up. Amen? You see, a great way to start this is just as Nehemiah did later on in the chapter. He was feeding 150 people at his table. I don't know if that table would fit in here. Maybe. That's a lot of people. And every day they prepared an ox, six sheep, and some birds. I don't want to hear any complaining about next week potluck and you preparing food for it, okay? Because every day they made enough six sheep and some birds, and every ten days more wine and more wine and all this good stuff. Listen to me. He was taking care of God's people. I want to be about that. You see, we got to get all the junk out of the way. All the unforgiveness, all the all the stuff that holds us back from loving on God's people. And I want to be serious about telling you truth and telling myself truth. That lay that junk down. And stand in Him. And walk in Him. And the best way to mend a friendship is to share your table with them. Just as Nehemiah was doing Share your table with them and enjoy a meal together. I'm going to encourage you with two things this week. And if you want to take that on as a challenge, please do. But the first is this. There's been somebody on your heart that you've just been struggling with. I want you to pray for them and pray for your own heart. I know we've... we've talked about this through John. But if you didn't do it then, I'm going to tell you, do it now. Do it now. Be praying for them. Be praying for your own heart. And work on that relationship. Send them a message this week. A message of encouragement. I know that's not easy. But lay it down have grace and forgiveness on them. The second part of this is this. I've already challenged you and I'm going to keep on challenging you. For the last two weeks I've been telling you to tell somebody that Jesus loves them. It was one person, then it was two, three people this week. Three people this week. I'm going to challenge you right now to tell three people that Jesus loves them. How many people have in the last week told one person that Jesus loves them? I'm ch- Raise your hand if you Raise your hand. Church! Good work. I'm getting serious. Let's tell people Jesus loves them. I know it's not easy, but it wasn't easy building a wall. Look, God's plan for us is to tell people about Him. And if we can't even tell them that He loves them, we can't open that door. people this week. I don't care if you text it to them, you email it to them, you tell them face to face, you pick up the phone and just say, hey, I want you to know Jesus loves you. Three people. Three people this week. Are you ready to take the challenge on? Say amen if you are. <laughs> Church. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Are you ready to take on children and tell them three people that Jesus loves them? Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. Let's be serious about how much love Jesus has for us and allowing it to flow through us to other people. Telling people that Jesus loves them. They can reject it. That's their own choice. Well, Let's tell three people this week that Jesus loves them. I'm going to invite the music team to come on up. But I want you to hear me this morning, church. God made each one of us in His image. We are made perfectly for His plan for us in our life. And each one of us, it's going to look different. It's going to look different for each one of us as we walk through this life. Some of us are going to have to forgive way more than the next. Some of us are going to be blessed way more than the next. Some of us will face way more trials than the next. That's life. I want you to remember what Jesus has done for you. Because He paid the ultimate price. So that you can have life with him. (laughs) The struggles that he went through, the mocking, the temptations. He did it all for you, not for himself, not to just say that I I did it. No, he did it for you. He was crucified. Laid in tomb. And He rose from the grave for you. Walk this earth to prove that He is the Christ, the Son of God. And then He ascended to heaven saying, I'm going to go and make a place for you if you confess Me. Church, I pray that you know that this morning. That all who confess Jesus Christ as Lord Have a life in Him. But I don't don't want us to just hold it in anymore. I want to be about telling our community, telling our neighbor that Jesus loves them and that He has life for them. I want to share heaven. I want every person that I run into to be able to have the opportunity for heaven. Because it's a free gift. But if they don't know about it, how do they ever receive the gift? That's why God made you. He made you. So that you can tell people about Him. I encourage you to do that because 1 John 4.15 says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him in God. Listen, there's no laundry list of stuff to have in heaven. To have the promise of Jesus Christ forever. It's confessing. And know that He is God. And if you have not done that, I want to encourage you to do that this morning. Why wait another day? Today, confess Jesus Christ is the Lord. But if you have them, share it. Share Share the love of Jesus with the people around you. I don't care if that's school, work, your home, your neighbor. Whatever you're doing, share Jesus with them. And it's not not that you have to go share the whole Bible with them. Just share that Jesus loves them. Take on the challenge this week. Take on the challenge. And if you need prayers this morning, I want to pray with you. If you need to blow the trumpet, blow it. Come on up here. We will gather, we will rally, and we will pray. Please, if you need that, come forward. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the word that you give us. I thank you that we can come right here and praise your name. I thank you that we can look to you for everything. You are a detail orchestrator, just as you did all the detail work with Nehemiah and rebuilding your wall. You do the same with us. You do all the detail work. We just got to open our eyes, open our heart, and say, God, Your will, not mine. And we walk in that. And I pray that that's what we do, Lord. Give us the strength and the courage and the wisdom to do that, Lord. God, I pray that that if there's anybody in here that has not confessed You as Lord Jesus, that they do that today. Today, they don't wait another one. But today. And Lord, I pray that all who confess You tell other people about You they tell about your love. God, I thank you. I thank you that you love us that much and that we are children of you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.